In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're gonna have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising Podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole. Hello. All right, talking today about how the medical diagnosis is not the physical therapy diagnosis and what happens when we conflate the two. But first, Nicole, Pelvicon is only three months away. Frickin' Pelvicon is coming. And I can't believe it doesn't seem like that long ago when we were doing Black Friday and it was friggin' selling out in four minutes. I can't believe it's only three months away now. It We're so excited. We're getting down to like crunch time now. Like we're going to see you people that are coming in three months. All the planning. It's so funny. Time is so weird because when we were first started talking about it, it seems so far away. And now three months seems like so close. Like there's so much to do <laughs> to have. I mean, basically we're taking over an entire hotel. Yeah. It's super cool. I'm so excited. We're going to be... We're going to be taking over the hotel, which I really feel bad for like the five to 8% of people who aren't part of Pelvicon that are going to be staying there. The conversations in the elevators are going to be like, what is happening to my life for those other people that are not there? But that is, oh, it's going to be so much fun to do that. Those of you guys who've been living under a rock haven't heard Pelvicon, first ever pelvic conference by and for pelvic rehab practitioners. It is two days, two and a half days, if you count the post-con, in September in Atlanta. We're putting that on in partnership with Jessica and Andrew Real, who are awesome. Um, shout out to Andrew, who has all the experience to like actually make it happen. And so we don't have things like the Fire Festival going on. <laughs> but man, it is going to be so cool. And the speaker lineup is unreal. Like each person who is speaking at Publicon could headline their entire own conference. Like that is how great this is. I mean, you, Nicole, obviously, Jessica Real, Michelle Lyons, Heather Jeffco, Sarah Reardon, Sarah Duvall, Amber Brown, Juwan Martin, Christina Holland. Are you kidding me? It's freaking going to be off the hook and there's going to be so much good content. We're so excited to share it with you. So... Super cool announcement. First time on this podcast, you're hearing about it. So we have gotten so many messages because like we said, like this conference sold out in literally four minutes. Like it was one of the craziest things that we've ever been a part of. And just seeing that response, seeing more than a thousand people on the wait list for it really made us start to think when that happened. Obviously, like there are incredible speakers. This is going to be informational. It's going to be inspiring. Like we want everybody to leave fired up about the things that people can do for their patients. Like we're changing pelvic health. And that is something that we want to spread to as many people as possible. So we've been working on this really hard. We've been able to make sure that we are going to be able to actually record everything going on at Pelvicon. 
So if you are going, you are going to be able to get a recording that is included already in the price of your ticket. We're just adding that in for you guys who are going to be there. But you can go back and rewatch these things because you're going to want to. Because they're going to be that amazing. And we're talking like 17 talks, 12 hours of content, like all of the greatest parts of PelvicCon are going to be on this recording. Now, if you were not able to get a PelvicCon ticket or you weren't able to travel or it didn't fit in the budget this year with having to go for the hotel and everything else, because we know it's a commitment, you are going to be able to get your hands on a recording of actually what everybody hears at PelvicCon. And that's going to start this Thursday. You're going to be able to buy that. It is going to be $50 off. So it's going to be $297. And you're going to be able to get your hands on that. Basically, we're going to put all the recording together like the week afterwards. You will have access to everything that was said by that lineup of speakers. Two talks from each speaker on amazing topics. Guys, I'm so excited we're able to do this. We've been talking with the venue and all of that stuff to get all the technical stuff done. And it is going to be amazing. Super excited to be able to have that and really excited to be able to offer it for people that couldn't come this year. And yes, so we're really just stoked to be able to offer that to you guys and hope that you are just excited as well. So watch out for those links coming out on Thursday. Yep, that will be this Thursday. If you're listening to this when this podcast drops, Thursday, June 23rd. Um, and make sure you sign up now, get that $50 off to that. You guys know that you know the first time we put something out is always the least expensive. We want to reward you guys who are really jazzed about it. So I mean, I'm so excited for both of those things. There's something so incredible about being in the room, and I can't wait to get that kind of energy. And I really believe that it's going to be a point of inflection in the careers of the people who go. But if you're not able to do it, it is going to be so informational and inspiring to be able to go back to each of those talks. And I mean, these speakers are just incredible. So don't miss out on that. We'll be putting out more information, but keep your eyes peeled for that this Thursday, June 23rd. And then make sure that if you are not following Pelvicon underscore official on Instagram, that you do that too. There will also be information coming out there. Beautiful. All right. So Nicole, to the meat and potatoes of what we're talking about today, the medical diagnosis is not the physical therapy diagnosis. Explain. So one of the biggest pet peeves of mine is when, when we as pelvic therapists conflate the medical diagnosis and let it influence what we're going to be doing in our exam. Most of the time, I'm talking like 95 to 99% of the time, the medical diagnosis that someone comes in for does not, is not going to influence significantly what I do on my PT exam. Hold on a second. Now, I feel like that is a huge bomb drop. That's like almost as huge as when you were like, I don't use the perfect or have Kegels when I evaluate people. Like, I feel like this is another one of those moments in the podcast where people are going to be like, wait, what? Perk up. 95 to 99% of the time, you really don't care or don't allow the medical diagnosis to change anything about what you do? Yeah, especially not at the beginning. 100, like totally. Okay. So, and here's the thing. The analogy that I think we can all agree upon in for ortho and like what we learned in PT school is... When a doctor would write a prescription that said low back pain, we all were like scoffing at that. Everybody in PT school and everybody that's just coming out being like, oh my gosh, so dumb. Like that doesn't mean anything. 
What what we're going to actually evaluate the patient for is what what we're going to find, right? What is the actual pain generating thing for that person's low back pain? Is it disc? Is it ligamentous? Is it bony? Is it what is it? Joint? Like what is it? And that was our job. And somehow I don't know why, but I feel like that mentality is a little bit lost sometimes in pelvic health where we really do care about what the patient is coming in with, with a diagnosis of vaginismus, vulvodynia, whatever. And this is actually most of the pelvic PT huddle posts, or I wouldn't say most of them, but a lot of them are people that are coming into the huddle being like, I'm evaluating, that hasn't even happened yet. I'm evaluating a patient next week that has a diagnosis of, that has vulvodynia and, or has vaginismus. I'm not really well-versed in treating this yet. I've only taken Herman and Wallace one or whatever they say to, to justify the, the post and then say, Hey, what should I be looking for with that diagnosis? Give me some tips and tricks to figure out what I should be doing on that exam. And really the tip and trick is that you're already walking down the wrong road with that. If that's really in your head that they have this, that is going to, even if I feel like people, this is one of those ones that people on multiple choice might get right. Like, hey, should you allow their medical diagnosis to really impact the thoroughness of your own evaluation? People would probably say no. But if you're starting off a question with, I have someone with vaginismus, of course, you're already reaching for the dilators before they even walk in the door. Totally. And so when we were talking about this, we were talking about the two reasons why we really don't care about the medical diagnosis. One, I think is just funny. I mean, a lot of the times it's just wrong. It's just plain wrong a lot of the times, or it's so vague, it's ridiculous. It doesn't even mean anything, right? That's like the low back pain. To me, that's the same exact thing as vulvodynia. Vulvodynia literally means just pain in the vulva. Like, that's it. And so our whole job is to figure out what is causing that pain in the vulva. And at the point where, from a medical standpoint, the other things have been ruled out, then we're left with our specialty and expertise, muscles, bones, ligaments, joints, and fascia, and what else is causing that, that symptom. And that's our job. So I don't give two shits about if someone calls it vulvodynia or pelvic floor dysfunction or pelvic floor tension myalgia or piriformis syndrome. Piriformis syndrome. That one's been cropping up a bit recently for some reason. Yeah, it's so annoying. And so, you know, I don't, even piriformis syndrome, like, what is it? Is it the actual piriformis muscle? Is it the sciatic nerve? Is it the SI joint that's referring pain down the leg? Like, what is it? That's our whole job, you guys, as therapists, as physical therapists, occupational therapists, is to figure out the differential diagnosis, musculoskeletal, neuromuscular differential diagnosis of what can be causing these patient symptoms. And it's very, very rare. And we'll go over a couple of the exceptions, but it's very rare that someone coming in with a true, with a medical diagnosis influences what I do on my exam. Well, it's sad thing is even on the phone, talking about one of the things is that a lot of the times the diagnosis is wrong. Half the time on the phone, I can tell the diagnosis is wrong. Someone calls in and is like, oh, I've got IC. I was like, oh, so a lot of pain. In the- oh, no, I don't have any pain at all. By definition, you do not have IC. Oh, I've got pedental neuralgia. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. How long has that been going on for? Two weeks. By definition, you don't have pedental neuralgia. Like even I on the phone knowing nothing, guys, I really cannot emphasize how little I know 
know that those diagnoses are totally made up and don't mean anything. And they really are just repeating symptoms back in a different language. Dyspareunia means literally pain with lying in Greek. Like, what is that actually? Literally just repeat their symptoms back to them in a different language. Yeah. And so the other thing, so that's one. So first time, a lot of the times it's just wrong anyway. Second of all, even when it's right, it doesn't tell you anything as a public therapist. Right. And that we should be embracing this like totally because... We, you know, on one hand, we're always talking about individualized care and making sure that the patient's at the center of all the things. Well, if we just reduce that down to a medical diagnosis, then what are we really doing? Like, even when it's right, it doesn't tell us anything about that particular patient, that person's reality, that person's functional things that they want to get back to, that person's thoughts about given that diagnosis whether they're identifying it, whether they don't want to have it, like all of that. And then that's not even to mention all of the objective findings that are, can be different with each patient. So the person that has vulvar burning can have a completely different reason for that vulvar burning, which is why I'm always harping on finding the why to the person's pelvic floor dysfunction. And the treatments are going to look very different, even with the same symptom presentation and the same quote unquote diagnosis. And so it doesn't tell me anything for someone to be like, oh, this person has been diagnosed with vaginismus in my treatment session. It's like, cool, well, let me be the judge of what is driving those symptoms and we'll, and I'll let you know what I think, right? So that, I think that's, that's a hugely huge. important point that you just said there, Nicole, is that the, a patient can come in, two patients could come in with the same exact symptoms, the same correct diagnosis, and you would treat them completely differently. 100%, which is why you have to just do your own evaluation and make your own assessment of what's happening. And if we let what has already been labeled on them influence what we're doing, then we're starting from really far behind the start line. And it we can't do that. We can't afford to do that in our field. Right. And so what does that look like? So if somebody's, you know, I'll speak to a little bit more of what I know, but if somebody comes in and they, they're telling you they've got interstitial cystitis, you're reaching for your icy diet handout, right? And it's where we can just get so far off on what is actually needed for that patient, if we let that that influence us. Because oh, vulvodynia, you need to talk about vaginal estrogen. Oh, vaginismus, we need to talk about dilator therapy. Like, all of that stuff is a preconceived... Preconceived notion of what we probably are going to need to do without even asking, is that really what they have? <laughs> is that really true first? And then even if it is, you know, even if that is a correct diagnosis... It is the musculoskeletal neuromuscular underpinnings of what we're finding really contributing to those symptoms. And that's very different for every person. And so I just really want us to get away from caring at, the, at least at the beginning of what the person's coming in with the medical diagnosis. And so what I would really like want everybody to do is look at that and then brush it aside, do your own evaluation and then come back and be like, does that make sense with that medical diagnosis? And do, and how much do we actually care about that? And do I need to be giving any different advice on how they can be talking to their physicians about their medical management, given what we just found and what the actual diagnosis is? 
Well, and I think one of the things I want to broaden this back out, we've been talking a lot about pelvic pain when we're talking about this. I mean, stress urinary incontinence, at least the people in pelvic pain bother putting their, their symptoms in a different language. Stress urinary incontinence, they just like literally repeat it back. Yeah. Oh, I'm leaking urine. Great. You have incontinence. Perfect. Well, why? Why is it? Like, come on, the same thing. You know, and then remember too, that a lot of us have a different definition or a different grading system for things like prolapse. So a physician is looking at something like the POP-Q, and yes, we can also do things similar to the POP-Q, but we are just visually looking most of the time. And so our grading system is different than theirs. And so it's like, does that really, oh my gosh, I'm coming in with a grade three prolapse. It's like, great. Like, let me see what's going on. And does that, is that equal in supine as it is in standing, as it is with dynamic activity? Like all of that matters Because a lot of times things are very different when you have somebody go into standing or go into dynamic motion with with your assessment, which is why I need you to get everybody off of the damn table when you were doing the assessment as well, because most of the time that has not happened to get the quote medical diagnosis that you think is so um, set in stone. And they're like, it's not. So I don't know. I just feel like, I feel like I can hear, I can hear PTs and OTs being like, well, we can we really even tell somebody that they don't have the medical diagnosis that they're given? Like, what do we do then if someone's given a diagnosis of vaginismus and you evaluate them and it's really not vaginismus, what do you do then? Right. That is something that we get really like all weird about. Right. Oh, I can't, I can't go against anything. Well, that the doctor said, it's like, well, actually, yes, we can. Because if we know the actual definition of, say, interstitial cystitis and they've been given that diagnosis, then, and we evaluate them and we talk to them and it's like they actually don't have any pain, then it's like, yeah, like that's actually. Incorrect. Show them the evidence for that. Like, hey, here's the AUA guidelines on what the diagnosis of IC is. If you have pelvic pain and if you have urgency, frequency of urination or some other urinary symptoms, those are the two diagnostic criteria. Well, then you get the next question. Well, why do my doctor say that if I don't really have it? And like, I don't know. Why don't you? That's a great question for them. It is a wonderful question for them. Here's the information that we're saying. And and then we can go on and say, but I don't honestly, like, I don't really care what you call it. Tomato, tomato. I don't really care because I know. And during our exam, we found these things of your pelvic floor, of your SI joint, of your adductors, all of the things that can be influencing those bladder symptoms that we can help you with. And so let's just see, let's treat that stuff and see what, what your symptoms are doing. And then we'll go from there. Cool. Like, yay. We're all, everyone's all happy. Right. But that's, we're allowed to do that. We're allowed to have a freaking opinion on the musculoskeletal and neuromuscular pain generators of our patient symptoms, period. And whether or not like a physician is calling that vulvodynia and didn't actually test anything for any hormonal influence or neuroproliferative, like there are certain things that are valuable for a medical testing person to do. But if they didn't do those things and they're still saying it's vulvodynia, then they're sending them to us for the musculoskeletal neuromuscular diagnosis of that condition. And that's our job. Is it a genitofemoral nerve? Is it ilioinguinal? Is it iliohypogastric? Is it obturator? Is it pedendal? Like, what is it? I want to go back. It's not even that you're allowed to have an opinion on the musculoskeletal side. It's like you have to have an opinion. We have to. We have to have a friggin' opinion on 
what is going on and why the that is happening. So if we, this is why I'm always saying like, it's not enough to just say, oh, the person has hypertonic pelvic floor dysfunction. That's the same bullshit that the doctor is saying with low back pain. That's the same thing. We cannot fall into that trap either. So it's like, what about the hypertonicity or the tenseness of the pelvic floor is causing what? What is it? The actual tenseness of the muscle that's triggering the, the painful response? Is it that it's irritating a nerve? Is it that it's influencing the coordination of the pelvic floor? Like, what is it? I need us to figure out what it is and have an opinion and don't be afraid to say that to your patient, even if it doesn't jive with their actual medical diagnosis. And I think this is why you get so fired up and passionate about this, is this is a way that you give control back to the patient over their body, over their condition, over their symptoms. Yeah. Like, because here's the spiel, like, cause inevitably this happens a ton with interstitial cystitis, right? Everyone's like, well, you know, my doctor said I probably don't have it, but I've been reading that I do or vice versa. Like I have interstitial cystitis. I don't really want to have it. Like what's going on. I'm so scared. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, great. Honestly, like, let's just put that aside over here in this other container for a second, because guess what? We do not care about whatever it's labeled. I don't care. So what I care about is that when we did your pelvic floor exam today, we found that when I was pressing on the, the muscle on the right side, remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember when I said that? And then you said, that makes me feel like I have to pee. Great. We know that a muscle is creating some of that urgency. So our job and what I can help you with is eliminating that and figuring out why that's happening in the first place. And then we're going to see, does that help your symptoms or not? And if it does, great. Then wonderful. Then we can continue on with that. If it doesn't, guess what? I have a plan B, a plan C, a plan D of all the other things that it can be that I can still help you with. And we are going to use your physician for the things that they can help you with, for making sure it's not a UTI, for any other medical testing that we think it, it we need to have. If it's in significant pain, we can use a pain management doctor to help with medication and any other intervention that we need. But that's their jam and this is ours. And so I can help you with these things. And here we go. Let's do this together. Let's figure out. This is why I use the contributing factors to patient symptoms in this pie chart so much because none of that is where you put the diagnosis in that pie chart. You put pelvic floor dysfunction, you put nerve irritation, you put inflammation, you put stress, you put all the other things that can, we can help the patient with in that pie chart. We don't put just IC in that pie chart. We don't put vulvodynia in the pie chart. We put all the different contributing factors to the patient's symptoms as they relate to that. And then we can call it whatever the hell we want to call it. Yes. Okay. So Nicole, wrap it up. What are the big takeaways? Okay. So there's two major takeaways for this. Number one, I want you to assess yourself. Like we need to assess to address, right? Both in patient care and in our own selves. So how many times do you catch yourself now that you've heard this, catch yourself paying attention or wanting to know the diagnosis before you see a patient or reaching for the dilators as soon as you have somebody that's diagnosed with vaginismus or knowing that looking up something about the condition 
before you even are assessing the actual patient in front of you because you looked at your schedule for the week and you're like, ooh, I have someone coming in with penental neuralgia. It's like, do you, right? Do you actually have someone coming in with penental neuralgia or what is happening with that? We just don't know. There's too much variability in what physicians know about pelvic floor dysfunction and pelvic floor therapy for us to take that for anything more than face value. And also assess, are you having these conversations with patients? What happens when somebody comes in with a diagnosis that you don't agree with? Are you having a conversation like what Nicole laid out? So that's number one, Nicole. Assess. Number two. Is actually do your own thorough musculoskeletal and neuromuscular evaluation so that you can provide a good physical therapy differential diagnosis for what is driving your patient's symptoms. What this does is it gives control back to us and the patient on what is driving their symptoms. And so it's not this label of I have vaginismus. It's I have these things with my pelvic floor muscles or my nerve is irritating this. And those are the things that we can control with our therapy, with our ongoing therapy. And so we cannot let somebody who does not know anything about our specialty most of the time, these physicians dictate what we're doing in our own sessions by these arbitrary diagnoses that may or may not be what's driving their symptoms musculoskeletal and neuromuscularly. That's our job. And so I need need us to separate those two things out and then circle back to, do we think now that that diagnosis fits what I just found? That's the game. And that's how we can differentiate ourselves as a, the doctor's level, doctorate level treatment and assessment that we can do from other people. That's it, guys. Mic drop right there. Mic drop right there. Do it. Just do it. Yes, guys. I hope this was really helpful for you. If you are attending PelvicCon, I hope you are getting freaking stoked about it. I hope you've already got your hotel room booked. I hope you've got your add ons. The charity dinner, the post-con on Coxic stuff with Nicole. I don't even know what the heck's going on with that, but it's going to be cool. And the business owner's lunch. Man, it's going to be great. If you do not have tickets to PelvicCon, be involved. Be a part of it. It is going to be so great. These conversations that we're going to be having with this all-time speaker lineup, you are not going to want to miss that. So pay attention on Thursday. It'll be $2.97. You'll get access to all of that stuff unlimited lifetime access. We don't take that away from anybody. You'll be able to go back and look at that and listen to like the wisdom of some of the top people in the field again and again. So that's what's going on this week. Again, the medical diagnosis is not the PT diagnosis. If you find that you are struggling with this or you're wondering how to have those conversations, reach out, let us know. We always want to keep this conversation going. And let's continue to rise.